Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I would like to ask you to memorize a Bible verse with me. And no matter where you're at, can I ask you to say these words out loud after me? Can we memorize a verse? Here we go. Would you say after me, Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Can you say the whole thing? Here we go, out loud if you would. Ephesians 1, 7, In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. One more time. Ephesians 1, 7, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. For our sermon today, I want us just to phrase by phrase go through this important verse. Let's pray first. Father, we do want to pray for anyone watching this show that doesn't know if their sins are forgiven. They wonder if you're a gracious God and they wonder how they can uh, receive eternal life and forgiveness of sins. God, speak to everyone who is listening now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul the Apostle wrote Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. First words are, in Christ. Those words mean salvation is only in Christ. The Apostle Paul doesn't say in Buddha or in Mohammed, or in the New Age movement. He says, if you want salvation, it's only in Christ. So, I went to a wedding recently. The pastor was a United Church of Christ pastor, very liberal man. I, I went to his website. His website says that Jesus is our path to God, but that doesn't mean that other people who have other paths don't have just as valid paths as Christians do. And he preached a very blah sermon, God is love, was basically the sermon. You wouldn't have dreamt you needed Christ by hearing that sermon. And I have a buddy that grew up in that church. He's gone there his whole life. Finally, he stopped going because he said, yeah, according to that pastor, everybody goes to heaven. Well, not according to Ephesians 1, 7, in Christ only is there salvation. I told you on an earlier show, the ELCA Lutherans just re-elected for another six years Elizabeth Eaton to be their head bishop who teaches hell is empty. If hell exists, it's empty. Not according to the Bible, it isn't. In Christ only do we have salvation. Now, years ago, a lady came up to me and said, Pastor Brock, let me tell you why we come to your church now. 
She said, we used to go to a different Lutheran church down the block. The pastor got in the pulpit and preached on John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. And in the sermon, the pastor said, I don't know why Jesus said that. We know our God is bigger than that. And she said, I nudged my husband and said, he's correcting Jesus from the pulpit. Let's get out of here. <laughs> oh, my. Um, in Christ, we have redemption on only in Christ. And you might not like that, but that's what Jesus himself taught. The very first World's Fair was in the late 1800s in Chicago. There was one big building called the Exhibition of World Religions. And a large crowd gathered, and they had a Muslim on stage, a Buddhist, a Jew, a Christian, and each man got to present their religion. The last person to speak was a Christian preacher, and he got up and told Shakespeare's story of Lady Macbeth. And if you know that play, at the beginning of the play, Lady Macbeth commits murder, and for the rest of the play, she's washing her hands, trying to get the blood stain out of her hands, saying, out, damaged spot. Well, he told that story for his time, and people thought, well, that's kind of strange. But then he turned to the men on stage and said, gentlemen, which of your religions can get the spot out of Lady Macbeth's hand? Only in Christ. Next words. In Christ, we have redemption. The word we means every Christian is part of the church. Being a Christian is a plural thing. It's a we thing. There are no, lane, no lone ranger Christians. So recently I was at Taco Bell. And a lady's kind of staring at me and, aren't you Pastor Brock on TV? I said, yeah. Oh, I watch you every week. I said, well, thank you. I said, uh, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't go to church. And, you know, I get this not infrequently. Somebody will, will love our TV show and then say, but I don't go to church. Eee, wait a minute. I think the same day that I was at Taco Bell, I went garage selling. And here is a woman doing the garage sale. I didn't recognize her. She recognized me. I confirmed her 34 years ago when she was 16 years old. And she comes up, Pastor Brock. And then I realized who she was. I said, oh, so good to see you. I said, where do you go to church now? Oh, I don't go to church. I believe in God, but I don't go to church. And I, I just begged her to find a good Christian church and start going every week. Listen, it's not just the Catholic church. I'm a Lutheran, but it's not just the Catholic church that teaches that there is no salvation outside the church. The Protestant reformers, Luther, etc., taught there is no salvation outside the church. You know, I preached this at a church down in Florida. A lady got so angry, came up, well, that's why I left my last church, because the elders were teaching that true Christians go to church. I said, yeah, well, but, you know, what about people that can't get to church because they're shut-ins? And I, I said, well, like I said in my sermon, the, you know, there's exceptions, of course, but, no, well, she, now listen, Hebrews 10 commands you to be part of the church. So if you're a Christian without the church, maybe you're not. Find a good church. I urge you, for the sake of your soul, find a good church and go every week. In Christ, we, next words, have. Present tense. Next lesson is, salvation is already ours. We're already saved if we believe in Christ. Not that we will be someday. We've already got it. Present tense. I've shared this many times, but this was a big moment for me. 
I was 20 years old, leading a Bible study in college. After Bible study, a, a young woman by the name of Pam said, Tom, can I talk to you privately about something? I said, yeah. Tom, are you sure you're saved? I said, I think I'm saved. No, are you sure you're saved? And I said, yes. And she left, and I'm sitting there thinking, did I just lie to her? Because I don't think I was sure. And it was about that time somebody explained to me 1 John 5.13, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have, present tense, eternal life. And that is when the light bulb went on for me, that you can know your sins are forgiven, you can know you've got eternal life now and in the future because the promises of the Bible are believe in the Lord Jesus. It doesn't say, you, and you might be saved. It says, says and you will be saved. <laughs> In Christ we have, next word, redemption. The word redemption literally means to pay a price to set a slave free. Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Paul took the term redemption from the Roman slave trade. Every Roman slave yearned for the day that he might have a redeemer. A redeemer was a man who came along, paid his price to set him free from the master so he could be a free citizen. They yearned for the redeemer. When we say Jesus is our redeemer, we mean he paid the price to set us slaves free. Now, let me show you something here. Here's a piece of pottery I made, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. <laughs> I make pottery for a hobby, and then I would sell it out of my church, and the money would go to missions. So I've sold lots of pottery, and I think this is the third time this has happened. Like maybe I sold this for 25 bucks, but I'll be at a garage sale, and they've got a dollar on it. <laughs> so not only am I hurt, but I'll pay the buck and buy my pottery back. That's what redemption means. You pay a price to buy something back. We were under slavery to Satan. Jesus came and paid our price on the cross to bring us back to God. Again, let me, let me explain what the word redemption means. In 1794, the reign of terror had gripped Paris. Robespierre, the tyrant, guillotining and killing many people. The huge jail of Paris was full. One young man was leaning against the wall, seated, sleeping. He was bound to be executed the next day. His father is arrested, thrown into the big jail, walks around and finds his son leaning against the wall. He sits next to him, doesn't wake him up. He knows his son is to be executed. In the morning, soldiers walk into the cell and read out, John Simone de Loiserolle, come forth. The young man didn't waken, but the father jumped to his feet. I, I am John Simone. The soldier says, but it says here you're 37. The man said, no, no, I'm 73. The soldier says, oh, a mistake. They took the old man out. He was beheaded. Within a few days, Robespierre is overthrown. All the prisoners are set free. But the young Jean-Pierre says, why wasn't I executed? And the prisoners explained, there was an old man that sat next to you through the night, and when they called your name, he stood up. Well, what did he look like? And he heard them describe his father. Here's what I mean when I say Jesus is my redeemer. 
I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. But when they called my name, Jesus stood up and said, I will take his place. He went to the cross to pay for all my crimes and all my sins. He took the wrath of God, the justice of God, to be born on him, my punishment, so that I could be set free. In Christ, and only in Christ, we, be part of the church, have, present tense, redemption. He paid the price to set us free. Next words, redemption through his blood. You know, we have whole hymns sung to the, oh, the blood of Jesus. What does the blood of Jesus mean? It simply means his sacrificial death. In the Old Testament, when they would sin, they'd kill a lamb and then the person was forgiven. In the New Testament, the blood of Christ is his sacrificial death. He bears the, the punishment. It's his, his blood is his sacrificial death on the cross. Now, um, if you go to Germany, there's an old church, and high on the steeple, instead of a cross, they have a statue of a lamb. And here's what happened. A few hundred years ago when they were building that cathedral, a workman slipped off the scaffold and fell. The fellow workman knew he was dead, scurried down to discover their, their co-worker alive and well. Dazed, but alive and well. What had happened, a shepherd was driving a, shock, a flock of sheep before him to market. And the sheep happened to be underneath right when the workman fell. It crashed. It, it killed one of the sheep, but the workman got up safe. <laughs> so they put a lamb on top of the building to commemorate that, but also mainly to commemorate that Jesus is the Lamb of God. We don't have to kill lambs like they did in the Old Testament. Jesus took our place, paid our debt, our sacrificial death, so we could get up. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The next words, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And those words mean God is a forgiving God. Let's talk about the forgiveness of sins. I, uh, years ago, had a bad week and a sinful week. And I got on my knees next to my bed and I prayed for forgiveness. And then I went back into bed and went to sleep. That night, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw a man with a long robe and a turban on his head. And he got on his face and he was praying. He was praying for forgiveness. And in the dream, he didn't get up. And he just stayed on his face. And in the dream, he never got up. And I heard a voice, his God, is an unforgiving God. And I knew what the dream meant. <laughs> the only reason I could get off my knees earlier that night is because in Christ, my God is a forgiving God. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, last words, according to the riches of his grace. Now, those words mean Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. If you stop 10 people on the street and say, do you think you're going to heaven? Most people will probably say, yes, I think so. 
Well, can I ask you this? Why do you think you're getting to heaven? Nine out of ten people will say, well, I think I've led a good life. And then you've got to explain, no, you haven't. You're a sinner. We sin in thought, word, and deed every day. We all deserve hell. But there is a way to be saved. There is a way to get into heaven. It's by Jesus, the Lamb of God, paying for your sins, rising from the dead. And by the grace of God, by what he did, uh, the word grace means God's unearned favor. By Christ on the cross, by the grace of God, by God's unearned favor, you'll be saved. You won't be saved by your own good works because you've got more sin than it's going to balance out. <laughs> Let's put it all together. In Christ, and in nowhere else, in Christ, we, be part of the church, have, present tense, redemption. He paid the price to set us free through his blood, through his sacrificial death, so that we have the forgiveness of our sins. God is a forgiving God. According to the riches of his grace, the word grace means God's unearned favor, that the only way we get into heaven is by the blood of Christ, not by anything we do. Now, so can we close? Can, can you say the whole thing with me out loud again? Here we go, out loud, please. Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. You know, before I start asking you questions, I have to tell you something that I was taught as a child mm -hmm. was the word grace, because you talked about grace. Well, in order to remember what grace really meant, I was taught to say God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. -E. God's riches at Christ's, Christ's expense. expense. That's a good one. Yep. And that's been something that stuck with me since... Since confirmation. Well, it was way before confirmation. Is that right? Yep. Uh -huh. It was good. a phrase of my grandmother's, oh. actually. Cool. So. That's good. Great. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Tom, let's start off with some new ones for you. Mm -hmm. Isn't it narrow-minded for someone to say that Jesus is the only way to salvation? Well, it's narrow. I wouldn't say it's narrow-minded, uh, because people who believe all roads lead to heaven can be pretty narrow-minded about that belief, too. <clears throat> but they asked Jesus, are only a few people going to be saved? And he says, narrow is the gate that leads to heaven. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. So it is a narrow gate. You need to go through Christ to be saved. Well, if we're saved by grace, aren't, aren't we guilty then of teaching works Okay. Righteousness by saying you have to go to church? All right, I, a man wrote me in that email and he said, Pastor Brock, I heard you say that you need to be part of the church. For, and, I, and, and, and aren't you teaching legalism because aren't we saved only by grace and not by anything we do? And my, I responded to him and I said, yes, we are saved by grace alone and not by our good works. But it's also true when you're saved by grace alone, it changes your life. We're saved by grace alone, but grace never is alone. It always changes your life. And if somebody says that they've been saved by grace and have no time for God or his church, something's wrong. 
because Hebrews 10 commands us to be part of the church. Well, I'm not saved by going to church, Jackie. A lot of people go to church and are on their way to hell. The only thing that saves me is true faith in Christ. But if you have true faith in Christ, you want to be part of God's church. So what would you say are the benefits of being part of a church? You know, what, what I shared with about meeting that confirmation student from mm -hmm. 34 years ago, I just urged her to get into a good church because she has no Christian fellowship. She's missing out on the comfort of God's people. She's not growing in her faith at all. And it just, I'm concerned that people who say they're Christians and never go to church may be deceiving themselves. So then I guess the second part of that question would be, how can a person find a good church? Yeah, now, What's the things to look for? Uh, if people watch this show very often, we preach a lot about the mess up of the churches today. It used to be you could go to a Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal church, and congregational church even, and things would be generally fine and biblical. Not today. You can go to a Lutheran church that's fine and biblical. You can go to a Lutheran church that is from hell. So here's what you do, I've said this many times, you church shop. You go around, you see what churches you like. Then you say to the pastor, you shake the pastor's hand and say, Pastor, can I just talk to you for a couple minutes? And most of them will say sure. Well, Pastor, I'm trying to find out if this is the church for me. Do you believe the Bible is the infallible word of God? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Tell me your views about premarital sex, abortion, homosexuality. And Jackie, if you get good, clear answers, that's your church. But like I've said before, if you get, why, that's a complex Thanks. issue. I don't know that I can end. Then you want another church. Okay. Yeah. If a person is not sure they're saved, does that mean they're not saved? Yeah. I mean, if they're just not sure? Yeah. Jackie, what I told that story about when the 19-year-old girl named Pam put it to me whether I was saved or not, I think I was saved before that moment. I did believe in Christ for my salvation. I prayed. I trusted Him. But I got the assurance of my salvation after that night. So I think you can be saved without having the assurance, but I would never want to go back to that. And since that time in my life, even though, even though I still sin, I know that because of Christ, my sins are forgiven. I'm going to heaven. So yeah, you can have the uh, salvation without having the insurance, assurance, but why would anybody want that? First John 5.13, memorize that. It's, it's the huge verse. Okay, can you explain what is the substitutionary atonement? Okay. Substitutionary atonement has to do with redemption that we talked about in the sermon. Mm -hmm. And substitutionary atonement means that Jesus takes the wrath of God, the punishment for my sins, as my substitute so that I don't have to. And Jackie, virtually all Christians have believed that for 2,000 years. It's taught by Jesus himself. I came to give my life as a ransom in the place of many. The, the Apostle Paul teaches it. It's central. The cross is central. Sadly, tragically, there are some churches today, again, the liberal uh, denominations, who some of their pastors now deny that Jesus died in our place for our sins. I, I, I talked about a, a, a United Church of Christ pastor that I heard preached recently. He doesn't believe that Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sins. They call it divine child abuse that the Father would punish Jesus instead of me. No, it's our salvation. So Jackie, this is, these are strange days in which we live. Sure when when Christian pastors are denying the cross. Yeah. Does God forgive our sins if we don't confess them? 
First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we need to confess our sins. Does he forgive us if we don't confess our sins? The answer has to be yes, because Jackie, you and I don't know half of our sins. Or I commit a sin and I forget it. I forget to bring it up. I mean, we're saved by grace, not by confessing all our sins, because we can't confess all of our sins. But on the other hand, when, when you've done a sin and you know it was wrong, it's important to bring that before the Lord. I think you said the key words there, though. If you know you've done it, yeah. then it's really important. Indeed it is. Okay. Yeah. So we all know that we aren't going to stop sinning, probably, uh -huh. and that there's going to be future sins. So I guess... Are future sins already forgiven? I believe they are. Because here's the way it works, Jackie. When Jesus died on the cross way back, what, 33 AD, whenever it was, he paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future. So the sins that I haven't even done yet have already been paid for. Now that's not a license to go out and sin, but it is wonderful knowledge that he has provided atonement for all my sins for when I die. So. You know, we kind of hit grace before, mm -hmm. but I gave you my definition. Yes, yes. Do you want to give us yours? Well, yes. How the, do you define it? The word grace, Greek word called charis, from which we get charisma or gift. The word grace means gift or unmerited favor. So when, you're say, when you sing the hymn, Amazing Grace, you're singing, I have such unmerited favor from God. I didn't deserve this, but he saved a wretch like me. Grace means unearned favor, undeserved favor of God. Okay, some people teach that we're saved by grace alone, yeah. and others teach we're saved by grace and our works. Yes. What does the Bible really teach? Now this one, we got to be clear about. You want to maintain we're saved by grace alone and not our good works. Romans chapter 3, Paul says, For we maintain that man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. On the other hand, you've got James chapter 2, verse four, uh, 24, where Paul says, or James says, So you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Well, what's going on there? It looks like the Bible contradicts itself. No, Paul is talking about real faith that justifies you. James is talking about a fake faith that even demons have. So the way you put it together is a real faith is what saves you alone, not your good works. James is, is preaching against people who say that they have, well, I believe in God. Well, so does the devil. It's got to change your life. You want to close for sure, a second? Sure, everybody. Thank you for uh, being with us today, and we, we encourage you to go to pastorstudy.org. You can watch all of our TV shows for free there. We encourage you to um, pray for us. We have been on the air 30 years now, and we're growing and expanding to more cities. And if the Lord nudges you to support us financially, the huge lion's share of our donations go to buy airtime. That's what's pricey. Everybody but me is a volunteer, and so we're, we're very faithful with your giving. We have a board that oversees this. So pray about it, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.